Well, things are drastically different. Uh, welcome to Simple Church Online, I suppose. Uh, we are practicing socially, social distancing here, uh, and it is a different feeling entirely. I can tell you that for me, um, there, there was a point in time in my ministry where I did a Thursday night service, and we, uh, at one point in time, we, we were at <laughs> so low in our attendance that it was just about the size of our attendance here. About 10 to 15 people were in their service, and um, so this is not totally unfamiliar to me, but it has been quite a while since I have uh, been in a situation where so few people were actually in the room. Um, so it's kind of surreal for me. I've been praying a lot about what it is that I'm supposed to speak to you about, and I believe that God had set this up well in advance of uh, everything that was happening, the fact that we were going to have to be meeting online and not meeting in person. Um, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about Paul and Silas and their encounters with two different women. Uh, one lady, was her name was Lydia, and she was a maker of purple cloth. And then we met another lady who was demon-possessed. And Paul basically turned around to her and spoke not to her, but spoke to the demon inside of her and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And this demon came out of her, and she was no longer of any use to the people that were her masters, uh, that were her slave owners, because she could no longer make money for them by telling the future. Um, and we're going to continue in that, because we're going to talk about a guy who was saved during an earthquake. We're going to talk about a guy, and you guys probably know this story. It's very familiar to most people. Uh, about this jailer. He was responsible for maintaining the jail. And this is a man who came to faith in Christ with a simple question that is spoken of in Acts chapter 16, verse 30. It says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And right now, in this day and time, we have got that question being asked by a lot of people because people are afraid for their lives. They are terrified about what's going to happen to them, their family members, their businesses, what is going to happen. What must I do to be saved? And most people speak of that in terms of this temporal life that we live in. But the reality is, is that our greatest need is beyond just this life and being saved from a virus. Our greatest need is to be saved ultimately from eternal death and eternal separation from God. And I can say that most people, because we see our lives here around us, we see the things that are going on in the world, and that's what we tend to focus on. But I can tell you, no matter what happens, whether it's via a virus or some other way, you will die. You will die. There will be a come, a come a time in your life where you will take your last breath. That will happen. Um, you need to be prepared for that. And the only way that you can be prepared for that is to be saved. And to be saved is not just to be saved from a virus. To be saved is to be saved from yourself, from your sin that destroys you. And that is ultimately what happened to this man who was a jailer. Life is fickle. Life changes quickly. If you think that you have control in your life, you are mistaken. I think that what we have seen through all of the stuff that has happened in the world recently is that we are not in control. We are to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with, and we are to be reasonable and rational people and do the things that our government is asking us to do. That's the reason we're meeting here online and not meeting in person in church today. But if you think that you're in control of what is going to happen, you are disillusioned. Um, for me personally, uh, the past 24 hours have been difficult. Um, March 21st, just yesterday, was the 21st birthday of my daughter who passed away. Um, 
She passed away back in 2007 of a brain tumor. And yesterday was a very difficult day for me, and it continues to be very difficult. And as much as I would have liked to have protected her from cancer, for, protected her from a brain tumor, there was no way I could do that. If I had locked her in a basement and just fed her through a hole, she still would have gotten a brain tumor. She still would have had cancer. There's nothing I could have done to protect her from that. My life was not in control. I, I did not have control over what was going to happen. Now, in light of what happened, I was to be reasonable, rational, and do everything that I could to try to get doctors uh, to care for her, to give her the right chemotherapy, to give her the right radiation, all of those things, and we did those to the best of our ability, and she still ultimately died. She still ultimately went on to be with her Heavenly Father, and she is not with, her, with us now. The only thing, the only thing that I could do was to put her life in the hands of a father who loved her more than I ever could. Her heavenly father. The only thing I could do was tell her the truth about Jesus Christ who died for her. To save her from her sins. So that she might live in eternity with him. That is the only thing I could do. And in light of what's going on in the world today... When you think about what things do I have control over, the only thing that you really genuinely have control over is to do exactly what Jesus asked us to do, and that was to go and make disciples, to go and share this good news, the fact that he is the Savior of the world. We read a, a story here today about Paul and Silas who were doing just that, and the gospel was going into Europe, and this good news was reaching the world and as soon as that started to happen, this demon-possessed woman, as Satan always does, he tries to infiltrate the church, and this demon-possessed woman starts running around, following Paul around, screaming, these are the, the, men, the servants of the Most High God. They have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, this woman was not doing this legitimately, just simply trying to infiltrate the church, trying to infiltrate what these men were saying, and Eventually, Paul got fed up with it, and he cast the demon out of this woman. And it did not turn out well for them as a result of this. These masters of this slave woman turned them over to the government and said, these guys, they're, they're not doing what they should be doing. They're teaching customs, customs and practices. They're not in alignment with our laws. So they took them in front of the, in front of the governmental, governmental authorities. And this is what happened to them. We read about this in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 22. It says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely beaten, and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So the crowd that was there that day, they were not excited about the fact that this woman was set free from the demon that was inside of her. They were not excited about the fact that she was let loose from being controlled by this demon. Instead, because the, the masters of this slave girl were being robbed of their money, so to speak, 
the mob formed and they were very upset as a result of that. So they decided to have Paul and Silas beaten with wooden rods and thrown into prison. I think when we look at that a little bit, we kind of see the motivation a lot of times of this world and of people revolves around money. It's not the money itself, it's the love of the money. The love of the money is the root of all evil, and here we can see a perfect example of that is that these men loved their money, and because they loved their money, they were robbed of their money, and it was taken from them by God, and so they had these men of God beaten with wooden rods and thrown into prison. A misshapen world, a misfocused world, Focused on something that is not God. And here these men of God were trying to do the right thing. And what happened as a result? They were beaten and thrown into prison. I think that if you suffer because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you suffer because you are telling the world the truth of God and trying to rescue them, I think that oftentimes you'll be met with opposition. As a matter of fact, anytime... Satan sees that work going on, you will be met with opposition. And here, in, it was, they were met with a, in a profound way because they were thrown into prison after they were beaten. And here, we see that they're thrown into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. You have to understand that in this day and time that the, the dungeons, the prisons, if you will, in that day and time, uh, were they would be deep in the pit of the earth a lot of times and they would be without light, they would be without any kind of uh, facilities that would allow you to, to go to the bathroom and that sort of thing. When you're clamped in the stocks, you stayed in the stocks. And you were lucky if you got food. If you got food or water, something to drink, then you were fortunate. Much different than what we do in our prisons today. These places were terrible, awful, nasty places. And when you went to stay there, you kind of wished you were dead. That's the situation you were in. You were in a place that was so bad and so awful and terrible that it would almost be, be better to be dead than be in these places. And that's what their prisons were like. And they were clamped in the stocks, it says. They were most likely chained to the walls, to the floor, so that they could not move very far if they moved at all. And this is where Paul and Silas were as a result of sharing the gospel, the good news as a result of casting this demon out of this woman. It says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. No matter what our situation, no matter what our lot in life may be, when you find yourself in a desperate place, in a difficult place, a nasty place, a terrible place, there is one thing you can do. You are not in control and you cannot control where you are and what's going on around you. But here, these men were in control of their hearts. They were in control of the fact that they could praise God and pray to God, the one true God who was the one who had saved them. Therefore, they had this chance to be able to worship him while they were there in that place. The environment that they were in is not what mattered. The environment that you're in right now, whether it be your living room, whether it be your kitchen, your bedroom, maybe you're watching on your phone. 
you still have an opportunity to pray and to worship God no matter what the conditions are like around you. Some people get very distraught about the fact that they aren't in church this morning, and I understand that. I really do. I get it. I'm thankful that I get to be here, that I get to hear these songs live, and it's wonderful. And the band that we have, their talents are amazing, and it is absolutely wonderful to just be here and be physically here inside the church. It really is. But worshiping God, praising God, the one true God, it is not limited to just being able to do it inside the confines of a church. And God is awakening us and showing us that. This particular place that we're in in the world today, God is showing us that it is more than just about where you are physically located. It is absolutely about the God who never changes and the fact that he is always worthy of our praise no matter where we are. He is always there for us to pray to and connect with no matter what place that we're in. And God is showing us that. And we have a great opportunity to, to learn that. And I, I've always said that we don't learn when things are easy. We only learn through pain, really. Genuinely learn. We only learn through pain. And I think that the, the internal struggle that we have because we're not physically in church, I think that it is teaching us something. I think God is showing us something. And we have the great opportunity to learn that, that, that God is real and God is present and he is worthy of our praise no matter if we have large church buildings or not. I have been begging people, begging people for, for years, like, look, your worship, your prayer, your time with God should not just be limited to Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. It is supposed to happen on your way to work in the car. It is supposed to happen late at night when you're, when you're there on your phone and you're, you're looking at, at Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, that, that you have that time that you can actually... God has given us this great technology to be able to look at our Bible, read our Bible. We can even listen to our Bible if we want to right there on our phones. And your worship and your time with God should not just be limited to what I say on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. Your, your worship time should not just be li limited to the time when this band, when Kayla, uh, when Tony, when Emily are leading us in worship. It should not be limited to that. Because you could find yourself one day in a position like we're in right now. We're not physically located here. What will you do then? Will you tune in and listen online? Will you find podcasts and sermons? And there's great teachers in this world. They're, they're teachers far better than I am at teaching God's word. Will you, will you listen to them? Will you listen to, to what God has said? Will you, will you read his word? Will you connect with him? Even if you aren't physically located inside a church building? Because I promise you... Paul and Silas were not inside a church building. As a matter of fact, they were in a dungeon, probably hungry, probably thirsty, probably, probably sitting in some things that we don't even like to talk about. And that's where they were. Their prayer and their singing of hymns was not dictated by their physical location. It was dictated by the place they were in their hearts. And because they were there in their hearts, they, they, were, they were able to change the lives of some people around them. God was able to use them to impact people around them because they saw their joy, they saw their love for the Lord, and they saw that, and it was making an impression on them. The place that we're in in this world right now, and the virus, and 
social distancing and quarantining ourselves at home and all that's going on, the world is looking at Christians right now to see if they will continue to worship the true God of the world, to see if they will continue or if just because they're not in here and they're not eating breakfast and shaking hands and hugging necks, that if they'll continue to love God in the same way. If they're not physically located in the building where they get to raise their hands and worship God, will they raise their hands and worship God at home when they're watching and listening? The world is watching. The world is watching. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. I think that's key. The other prisoners were listening. But I think that we find out in just a minute that it wasn't just the other prisoners that were listening. It was everybody was listening to what was going on. I can tell you right now that the world is listening. They are listening. There are some people that are tuned in today on Facebook that ordinarily wouldn't tune in. They wouldn't physically be here in the church and they wouldn't typically tune in on Facebook to listen because they're searching for answers. They're looking to try to find what's going on in this world if there is a loving God out there, what is he doing? I think that ultimately what God wants you to have is a seeking heart for him. That whatever it is that you're going through in your life, and maybe you are sick and you're watching on Facebook Live right now. Maybe you have coronavirus. COVID-19 has struck you or your family, and maybe you're struggling with it right now. And you're watching online and you're searching you're trying to find out, what is God doing? If God's so loving, what is he doing? I think Paul and Silas are examples of no matter what your physical condition is, no matter the environment that you're in, that he is still worthy of our praise and he is still listening when we pray. And the world was watching when they were doing that. It says in verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the walls, all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So here we see something miraculous has happened. If I was Paul and Silas, I would say, man, God has delivered us. God has set us free. It says all the chains and all the, the, everything fell off, all the stocks fell off, all the prisoners in the jail. The walls came tumbling down. I would look at that and go, man, God has set us free. I would probably look around and go, man, we are now, we can go, we can run. God has done this great thing. It says in verse 27, the, the jailer woke to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. This man, the jailer, he had his whole life wrapped up in his job. Uh, he knew that he would be disgraced, possibly even executed as a result of the prisoners having escaped. This is, he had, as we say in, in society today, he had one job. You had one job and you failed at it. And here this jailer had his whole life wrapped up in being a jailer. And he thought... I failed at this one job, therefore there is no reason for me to continue my life. There are some people like that. There are some people in the world like that right now. 
There are many jobs that are on the line because people are not able to go to work for whatever reason. Not everybody can work from home. I'm fortunate enough in my job that I can work from home and keep my job, but not everybody's like that. There are many people that are sanitation workers or, or waitresses or waiters that are just without money coming in right now. There are many small businesses that probably won't reopen as a result of everything that's going on. Let me tell you, if that is you, if you are struggling in that way, that is not the end of you. God did not create you just to be a waiter or a waitress. God did not create you to just be an owner of that small business. If that, owner, if that small business does not continue on, that does not mean that you don't continue on. You see, God has created you with a purpose. And his purposes for you are not temporal. They're not just limited to this life. His purposes for you are eternal. The way that we tap into that eternal purpose for our life is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here, that is what we see in Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas are screaming out to this man who thinks that I have failed. I have, I, I have actually been ruined as a result of what has happened. I know all the prisoners have run away. And now I might as well kill myself. And Paul shouted to the man, stop, do not kill yourself. We are all here. Now, Paul and Silas, and I, I think even the other prisoners that must have been, been listening, I think they remained because their environment did not matter. Their environment did not matter. They continued on to worship God and sing, sing hymns and, and, and pray. And I, I believe that's what they did. Because it didn't matter if the jail walls were still standing or if they were fall, falling on the ground. It didn't matter. What mattered was the place that they were in and what God was calling them to do in that moment. And I think probably they knew. They knew of this jailer. They knew that if he saw them that, that he might try to kill himself and Paul said, hey, this is not the end of you. He says, we're all still here. If you are at the end of yourself as a result of what's going on right now, this virus has got you downtrodden in such a way, you're like, I don't know if I can continue on. And you feel like you're alone because maybe you're, quote unquote, trapped in your house and you can't go anywhere and you can't interact with people. You're not alone. We are all here. You may not be able to see us, but you can hear us. We are all here. We need each other. And I'm not going to deny that fact. I know that as a church and as a body of believers, we need each other. And even those that are lost and searching, they need somebody. That's why God uses us. That's why God uses us. He could rescue us instantaneously and say, you're saved. Absolutely. But for whatever reason, God chooses to use us. God chooses to use us as instruments in his hands. God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, could, 
could take the word of God and just beam it straight into your brain, but instead he uses people to speak his word, to take their personal experiences with Christ and, and share those, to take even the devastation and tragedy that happens in their life and to use those for his good and our glory, for his glory and our good. He, he, he has the ability to, to take those things and transform them in such a way that he uses us through what we call a testimony to impact the world. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. And here, Paul and Silas, shouting to this man, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. God knows that we need each other, he does. But even if we aren't all physically located in the same spot, we have to remember that we are all here, that we still have each other. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down and trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? My prayer today is that there are people asking this question. People in this world are terrified. They're scared to death about what's going to happen to them or their family or their income or their house or What's going to happen to this country? What's going to happen to their 401k? They're asking this question, how can I be rescued from this situation? The problem is, their question is flawed. Because their, their question is, is flawed because it's looking strictly at this life. And the beauty of this word and what God says to us is that, man, this life, this is not the end of you. This, this is not where it stops. This is only the beginning. In this place and in this time, you have the chance to turn to Christ and humbly ask, save me. Save me. I can tell you in my own life as I have struggled in difficult times and wondered what's going on in this world. What do I do because I am hurting and God, I am struggling and I, I just need a word from you. I have some dear friends of mine who recently lost a child, and uh, as I was hugging them at, uh, at the funeral home, I was just breaking down in my arms, I only said one thing, and I said this, and, and I'm saying this today because somebody needs to hear this. I said, nothing I say will make this better. There is nothing I can say that will make you feel any better. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's the only thing I could do in my life when my daughter was dying and when she did die that would give me any kind of comfort and solace in my heart. My words are futile and they are empty. But God's word is alive and it is breathing, and it is rich, and it is full of love. And as practical advice to you, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, and maybe at this time in your life you're like, I don't know what's going on in the world, I don't know what's going to happen, read the Psalms. Just read them. I'm going to read a little bit here, Just I, and I was flipping through just looking at a couple of different ones. I, I could have read so many, and I just, I just happened to pick this one, Psalm 66. Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. 
Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. He made a dry path through the Red Sea, and his people went across on foot. There we rejoiced with him, for by his great power, he rules forever. He watches every movement of the nations. Let no rebel rise in defiance. Let the whole world bless our God and loudly sing his praises. Our lives are in his hands, and he keeps our feet from stumbling. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. You captured us in your net. And you laid the burden of slavery on our backs. Then you put a leader over us. We went through fire and flood. You brought us to a place of great abundance. Now I come to your temple with burnt offerings. To fulfill the vows I made to you. Yes, the sacred vows that I made when I was in deep trouble. That is why I am sacrificing burnt offerings to you. The best of my rams a pleasing, as a pleasing aroma... And a sacrifice of bulls and male goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed my sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. As you read the Psalms, and that's just one place that you can read, you see the struggles of life, you see the heartache, you see the battles with enemies. Sometimes the battle, battles are outside, sometimes the battles are inside. And you see God delivering us from our enemies. But the deliverance from our enemies is not just temporal, it's not just here on this earth. Our deliverance from our enemies is eternal. To be with God and to be in the presence of God is to be separated from our enemies who are enemies of God. This Philippian jailer, he runs out and he asks, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If you're asking yourself, what must I do to be saved? Listen to the words of Paul and Silas. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They brought him out into it. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they had all believed in God. The world will let you down. The, Lord will, the, the world will cause heartache. The, the world will cause pain. The world we live in is broken. But because of the Lord, because of his amazing grace, because he rescues us from death, just like he did with this jailer, there is cause to rejoice. 
in our difficult situation here in this country and in the world, people are looking for a reason to rejoice. They're looking for a reason to praise God. The reason that we are to rejoice and the reason we have to rejoice is because there is a loving God who sees us in every circumstance, who sees us in every place that we're in. And sometimes he even allows the world to crumble around us so that we might see that ultimately what we need most is him. Ultimately what we need most is to be close to him, to repent, to draw to him, to confess that he is Lord. That is the only reason to rejoice. The Philippian jailer here, um, he was on the verge of suicide. He was on the verge of ending his life. I understand the desperate place this man was in. I do. When my daughter passed away, I understand the thoughts that cross your mind, how you just don't want to be here anymore. You just don't want to continue on. You just don't want to take another breath. I get it. Reality is, when you turn to God, when you truly lean into the one who rescues you, when you truly lean into the one who shows you that there is more than this life, that there is cause to rejoice. In the midst of my daughter's diagnosis, her treatment, and even her death, God was calling me to ministry. God was calling me to be a minister of his gospel and a shepherd to his his sheep. And I am thankful. I am thankful that even in the midst of all the calamity that was going on around me, that I had a reason to rejoice that God was able to use the difficult situation in my life as a time to open my eyes, my eyes to an awareness that this life is not the end. Her life here on this earth was not the end. That there is still a testimony and a message that can go out from her life that can have an eternal impact, and the same existed for me. My testimony... The way God uses me, it can have an eternal impact. And the same exists for you. In the difficult time that we're in, in the struggles that we're in in this world, the world is listening. The world is watching. And they're watching to see what your prayer life is like. And they're watching to see what your praise life is like. And you've got a chance. You've got a glorious chance right now to let that testimony radiate from you and let people see the glory of God in your life Christians I know that you're hurting too I know that you got people in your life and maybe they're sick and maybe you're worried that they will get sick maybe you've got some elderly people in your life or maybe you yourself has asthma or something that may um, put you in a position where you're more susceptible to this virus that's going around My response to you and and how you're supposed to deal with that is to do what 
God says we're to always do, and that is rejoice. Rejoice. Yes, take your troubles, take your heartaches to him, just like the psalmist does over and over again. But ultimately what you see in the psalms over and over again is rejoicing. And that's why they are songs, that's why they are hymns that can be sung, because they are songs of rejoicing. If you believe in God, you have cause to rejoice, no matter what the circumstance. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to ask the simple question, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord. Believe that there is more to yourself than just this life. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this precious gift that you have given us. God, you have given us life and you have given, it life, given us life eternal. And because of that, no matter what our circumstances here in this world, God, we always have the opportunity to rejoice. This isn't our home. God, our eternal home is in your presence. And Lord, I pray that right now, in the midst of all the chaos that's going on in the world, Lord, we can see that. We can see that clearly. Now, we can see that we desperately need to remember just how good that you are. We need to draw close to you through this time because the world is watching and there are people that don't know you. There are people that haven't believed in you. There are people that their lives are all wrapped up in the circumstances around them, whether it be their job or whether it be their house or their business or whatever the case may be. And their lives are wrapped up in that. Lord, I pray that we would be a light for you and for your kingdom. As people look at us, God, that they would see you and they would see the hope that exists in you and in you alone. God, I pray that people would stop, that they would stop in this chaos of this world and they would stop and they would see that you are the hope. God, you are the only hope for this world. Thank you so much for being our hope. Thank you so much for being our loving Father who loves us more than we love ourselves. God, thank you so much. God, for this precious word in Jesus' name. Amen.